Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Well, not going to talk this morning specifically about worship. I'm going to kind of do a message, just one standalone message. Just thinking about the past year and the next year coming up and looking back at 2019 and thinking how fast it went and looking ahead at 2020 and wanting to honor God this next year and grow. I've said this before, but it's helpful. Illustration, this morning is not going to be anything really new, but it's going to be important, like going to the doctor and getting a checkup. You're not necessarily going in to learn something, and yet you're attentive to what the doctor says because it's vital to your life and that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning is what is necessary for life how am i doing am i healthy you know they measure you they weigh you they see what happened last year you know did you gain 20 pounds or did you lose 20 pounds is your blood pressure higher or lower and just just a review and a checkup and that's kind of The plan this morning is just not to do much new, but just to think and to remember and to think about the basics. So let's look at this here, just the first verse here of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So here, this psalmist in Psalm 1, you know, opens the psalms with this kind of unique psalm. It's very different. It sounds so different than all the other psalms. It sounds more like a proverb than it does a psalm. And he's introducing the book. He's wanting to set the stage and really introduce how we relate to the rest of the book of psalms. And setting these two groups of people, setting them side by side and seeing how they're different. And the one is the righteous and the one is the wicked. And setting what they're like, setting what they delight in, setting how they live, setting where they're going and contrasting them. And here in the first verse we see blessed. The first word blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked 
nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. There's this idea of settledness. It's going from standing to from walking to standing to sitting, and it's getting more and more settled. And he's saying, blessed is the man who's not like that. Whereas the wicked, they get more and more settled in their sin. At first, they're just walking in the way, listening to the counsel, and then they're standing. Their, their place is right there with the sinners. And then eventually they're sitting, and they're getting more and more settled in sin. And he's saying that the righteous aren't like that. They're not getting more and more settled in sin. So what about us? You know, what, what about this last year, 2019? Have you moved more and more into sin? Have you listened more, opened your ear to the counsel of the wicked more than, than the year before? Is there a sin that in 2018 just started and you started to be open to it and then in 2019... You're standing. Now you're standing in it. And you're... Okay. Anyways, sorry. Got distracted. Okay. Let me restart and say a prayer here and get back on track. Uh, Lord, would you just help me focus and uh, keep my thoughts clear? Amen. Well, we're talking about the righteous. You know, they, they aren't getting more settled into sin. And just asking the question, this last year, has there been anything you're getting more settled? Or maybe you're just, now you're seated. Last year, maybe you settled down into greed, you know, or or lust, or the love of money. And you were wrestling with it, and you gave up. And now you're just sitting there. Is that you? I hope not. But it's a good question to ask. And if you haven't, blessed. You're blessed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that He has done something for you. You, If it was up to you, you wouldn't be there, would you? We would be getting more and more settled. It's a blessing from the outside. Well, if that's going to not be us, if we're going to not get more and more settled into sin, what's the difference? What's, what's going to make the difference? And the Psalm 1 says the difference is your relationship with the Word of God. What's the difference? What's going to keep you from that? It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And so, You know, the vast majority of things in life that we do that make a big difference are the little day-to-day things, really, that make you who you are, that change your life. If there's somebody in here who can run a marathon, you know why? It's not because one time they went out and they ran as hard as they could until they passed out. It's because every day or weekly, they continually exercise and train and they build up over time. If there's somebody in here who's good at their job, it's because every day they're trying to do a good job and they're trying to do a good job. Your house is clean because you keep it up. You don't clean it for a month, two months, and it's, it gets out of hand. But these little things that we do make a big difference in our life. And a lot of times, the big mistakes 
are things that we fail to do the basic things. We forget the basic day-to-day things. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today. What's going to make a big difference in 2020? Well, one thing that will make a big difference is a little thing in one way. It's your daily relationship with the Word of God. It's a little thing in that it's not some mighty deed. It's not some something that somebody's going to post on YouTube and it's going to get a million views. But it's something that's important and it affects the rest of your life. The Maybe you guys don't like football, but the Chiefs last year are a good example. They, they could have gone to the Super Bowl and they would have won, but one guy lined up offsides. And he just forgot to look down at his feet. And you know what? You know when they teach you that? Pop Warner. Like, they teach 10-year-olds. Like, you need to look to the right and the left and make sure you're not offsides when you line up at the beginning. And this guy's making millions, and he forgot. He forgot, and they, and they had to call the play back. That would have won them the game. And that's how it is, you know. The basic things, you begin to forget. You get focused on the big play, and, and you forget, look down at your feet. And that's what the Bible's like. It's just the basic. Just look down at your feet. Am I set up in the right place? And that's, that's what the Bible here is saying. You don't want to be like this? What's going to be the difference? That word but in verse 2. But. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And I'm trying to be careful not to say daily Bible reading. You know why? Because the Bible actually doesn't say that. This verse doesn't say daily Bible reading. It actually says something different. And it says something, first of all, deeper. It's something deeper. Daily Bible reading means you pick up the book, your eyes look at the page, and you hear the words in your mind or you say them out loud. But this says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. Where's that? That's in your heart. That means it's more than you read the Bible. It's you look at the Bible and it's valuable to you. You think, wow, this is like honey on my lips. This is more precious than gold, much fine gold, you know, like as the psalmist says. It's looking at the Word of God and something deep in you says, this pleases me, this delights me, this is valuable to me. Is that you? Is that you? Do, you? do you delight in the Word of God? That verse about it being gold. If I paid you $100 a day this next year to read your Bible every day, could you do it? Would you be more diligent than you are now? If you would be more diligent, then what you're saying is the Bible, reading the Bible is not worth very much to you. The Bible, daily Bible meditation is worth more than $100 a day. Much more. This difference is in the heart. It starts in the heart. A delight in the Word of God. We can have a habit. We can have a routine. We can be faithful in reading our Bible, but is there delight? I make a habit of brushing my teeth, but I don't think, wow, what a delight to brush my teeth. But I do it. 
And I do it every day. I don't think I missed any this last year. I don't think I missed a day. <laughs> but that's very different than delighting and enjoying and valuing. I don't say brushing my teeth is like honey on my lips. <laughs> The same with stretching and exercise and homework. You can do it. You can make it a habit. You can be faithful. And in your heart, you're not delighting. You don't love it. In fact, you could do it and hate it. But we want something deeper, don't we? We want to delight in our heart in the Word of God. Because it's God's Word. Think about it this way. Every single one of us, if you were honest, would you say, you know what, I want God to speak to me. And do you pray for that? God, say something. Show me something. Show me what you want me to do. How many of you want God to talk to you this, this upcoming year, give you real specific direction? I think everyone would be delighted to hear from God in an in a impression or in an audible way or some something like that, we would love it for God to speak to us and direct us. But the thing is, God has spoken to us. I don't get to choose how God speaks to me today. If I got to choose, it'd be audible every day, which I've never heard anything audible. But what God has spoken, God has spoken, and, he, and the vast majority of the time, God thinks that this is the way He wants to speak to you through His Word. We'd be delighted. We would think, wow, this is amazing if God spoke in another way. And yet, here we are. This is the Word of God to us. This is God's Word for me today. Yeah. And it's a delight to hear it. Wow, God said, God said this or that to me today. This is God's Word. What a delight to hear from Him. So not only is it deeper, this verse Verse 2, our relationship with the Word of God, is it deeper than Bible reading? It's higher. The standard is higher. So it's deeper in that it's delight in the heart, and it's higher in that it's your thinking. It's higher, a higher order of thinking than just reading. I can read and not think and meditate, right? Daily Bible reading means I sat down and I read it. Meditation is a deeper thinking. You're thinking deeply about what God says. You're mulling it over in your mind. You're, you're talking to yourself. Well, what's this say? What does this mean? And you're asking questions. It's, it's work, isn't it? It's work. And I was thinking about the difference between a fictional book and the Bible. You know, I've got books on my shelf in my classroom, and there's tons of them. But the kids do not pick up the Bible. There is a Bible on the shelf, and the kids do not pick up the Bible. Because it's hard. If I had a fiction book, a nice fiction book here in the Bible, you'd think, one of these is easy to read. It's pleasant. It's, it's quick. It's, it's entertaining. It keeps my interest. And then the Bible is hard. It's not like that. It's not like a fiction book. Well, why is that? Well, one of the reasons is it's meant to be meditated on. It's not a quick and easy read. It's not written so that you can skim the surface and be done. 
It's deep. It's weighty. It's written in such a way that you've got to do some digging. And it's, it's the difference between going out and, and kind of kicking around in a puddle and, and getting on a ship and going in the ocean. It might be fun to stomp in a puddle for a little bit, and it's going to be easy, and it's not going to be hard work. But you're going to be bored. You can't do that every day for the rest of your life and be engaged because you've seen everything there is to see almost on the first stomp through. Whereas the ocean, you're never, if you go out and sail the ocean, you're never going to see the end. You're, you could sail the ocean for your whole life and just begin to touch the depths of all the beauty and all the coastline and all the different areas of the world, right? And that's the difference between a fiction book and the Bible. You, there's no fiction book on your bookshelf that you could read every day for the rest of your life and, and at the end think, wow, this is so rich, this is so good. Because it's not deep like the Bible. But what that means is that the Bible is harder to read. It's what people call, quote-unquote, meditation literature. It's meant to be mold over. You take a little piece at a time, and you mull it over, and you roll it around in your mind, and you think about it, and you move on, and you think, well, what, is, what about this next verse? And you go back to the verse before, and you ask questions. How do they fit together? That's what it's meant to be. So yes, it's challenging. It's not an easy read. It's not light reading. So it's a higher standard than just reading. It's meditation, you're thinking. And that might help you to delight more. You know, if you go in wanting it to be like a fiction book where you can breeze through it and it's just so pleasant and so easy, you're going to be disappointed. The Bible's not like that. The Bible's a book that's deep, it's weighty, it's to be wrestled with, it's to be thought over. What if you don't know what, what it means to meditate on the Word? What if you're just a skim reader? Maybe you read and then you think, well, now what? You know, I, I read it, but I don't know how to meditate. I'll give you, this is just an extra thing thrown in, and I've shared this before. But you could do three things, and they all start with A. If you read a verse or, or a chapter, to more deeply think about it, to begin to meditate, not just read these three A's. I'll tell you what they are. You adore you ask and you apply. So first, you read the verse, you read the chapter, and you adore God. You just praise God. God, thank you that you watch over the righteous, like it says here, or you know the way of the righteous. You can just praise Him for that. And you could do that for a couple verses, for who He is and what He does. And then ask, ask questions. What does this verse mean? What does that verse mean? And you, you got the one who wrote the book right there with you, God. And just ask him, I don't understand this. I don't understand how this fits together. There's always questions coming to our minds. And for me, it's easy to pick up a study Bible or ask somebody else. But the best thing is always to ask God. God, how does this fit together? And then apply it. How does this affect my life? I want to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. God, is it, how should this change my life today and tomorrow? Is there any attitude or action or word that, needs, that I need to do to say, to be? So that's just a very basic 
way to begin to meditate, adore, ask, and apply. And it doesn't take a super long time, but it does require more time than just simply reading through it. It's a higher order of thinking. So not only is this verse saying that we need a deeper and than reading, we need high it's a higher standard than reading. It's wider. Look at this last phrase in verse two. He meditates day and night. Well, that's different than just sitting down. I sit down, I read my Bible, done. I'm ready to go on for the day. He's saying the verse that you read, the, the piece of the Word of God that you read is going with you throughout the day, and it's still going in your mind. It's not gone. It's in the back of your mind. And so you read, for example, the part in the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about the treasure. Don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so you read that and you think, man, God, help me. Is, is there any area in my life where I'm storing up treasures on earth? There's things I love. I, I, we, got a, we got a new car. It was a very pleasant trip because we didn't have to worry about breaking down like the last two years. And I asked God, God, is this, is this a treasure? Is there anything that I'm, I'm beginning to store up treasures? Would you help me? Help me to store up treasures on earth. And then and then you're going throughout the day and you see things. You see people with a lot of things. You see people with nice things. And you remember, oh yeah, I remember that verse I read. I want to be cautious. And you pray, Lord, please help so-and-so. Make sure, please help them that they're not treasuring these things. Help me to treasure things, eternal things today. Help me. And so it's not just something you read and it's gone. It's something that goes with you throughout the day. You see the difference between reading and what this verse is saying? Are you tracking with me? You see how it's deeper? It's delight in the heart. You see how it's higher? It's more than just reading. It's meditating. It's a higher order of thinking. And it's wider. It's not just I sit down and I read and I go on with my day. It's affecting the whole day. It goes with you. You're not thinking about it necessarily. It doesn't mean all day long you're still thinking about that verse. But it comes back to you. You wake up in the night and you're not... You know, waking up worried about how much rain we got or whatever you're thinking about. You might think about that, but you also think about God and you think about who He is. So, this is what it's saying it's saying, if this is how you are, if this is the person you are, you're blessed. It's going to keep you from being more and more settled in sin. And what, what else is it going to do? What are the results? Look at verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers but the wicked are not so but are like the chaff that their wind drives away you see the two people again the wicked and the righteous and it's saying the righteous are like this but the wicked are like this you see the contrast this is how they are but they're not like this just like in verse 1 and 2 and what are the results the biggest difference between a seed and the chaff, what's the biggest difference? Well, it's shown, what this is saying is it's shown over time. Not a day. It's not measured by a day, not measured by two days, but by decades. 
And after decades, the chaff that gets pushed into the mud and the seed that gets pushed in the mud, they don't even compare. But on the first day, it's not clear. Maybe not even after a month. Over time, the little things we do, these meditating, delighting, thinking on, and applying the Word of God to our lives every day makes a big difference over time. I mean, just think about this idea of a tree. You've seen the tree rings. They're so tiny. You cut, you cut a tree down and, and you count all those rings. Each one is a year. And the rings are so tiny. It's like, wow, barely grew at all this year. And the next year and the next year. And yet, it's this huge tree. And that's the way spiritual life is. It's these little things, these basic things over time. And over a year and two years and ten years and twenty years, you build up. You're, you're stronger. You're more settled than you were. Back to the analogy of, you know, the health checkup. I read this story about a boy in the UK. And it's an interesting story and it kind of applies to this. He comes into the doctor. So this boy in England comes into the doctor and he's tired. He's telling the doctor, I'm so tired. So he's got this, things aren't going well for me. And What's going on? The doctor's trying to figure out, why is this young kid, I think he was 16, why is he so tired? And he talks to him about the basics, right? That's what your doctor talks to you about. Well, what are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you exercising? Are you, you know, asking you these basic questions? Let's weigh you and let's do all this. And, if, and he finds out he's eating, his diet is this, chips, fries, white bread, and occasionally ham. And so the doctor says, change your diet. You know, you need to do some of these basic things that are necessary for life, and it's going to affect you over time. You know, your reason you're tired is you've had this poor diet for so long. And the doctor also starts giving him vitamin shots. Okay, so in one way, not a great, great solution, you would think. Instead of changing your daily habits, let's just give you this big dose, and, and hopefully that'll, that'll help. So he comes back in later on and he's, he says he's got hearing loss. He can't, things aren't, he can't hear the way he used to. And he's a young kid, so it's serious. And after that, he leaves and comes back and he actually goes blind. And he comes in and he's, he's losing vision. And it turned out that this boy, 16, 17-year-old boy, actually went blind from eating chips, fries, white bread, and occasionally ham. What happened? That's so sad. But he neglected the very basic necessities of life over and over and over for a really long time. And what about us? You know, this past year, are you tired? Are you weak? Do you know something's not right? Could it be a problem with your daily basics? Is it possible? I'm not saying it is for sure, but let's start there. Let's think about it. Are you delighting in the Word of God? Are you coming to Him and meeting with Him daily and meditating? And that take that and have it to affect your life? Is it, 
Is God's word like a stream of water? It's nourishing you. Is it helping you to yield fruit? Is it giving you life? That's what it says right here in verse 3. That we're, That's what's going to happen to us. Yeah, of course we're going to be tired. Of course we're going to be down if, if we're not being fed. If we're not being nourished. If there's no source for our life. If we're just running on, on borrowed energy. And you know what's not going to fix it? A quick shot. Uh, a big dose. You know, you may get on this, decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to memorize a book this year. Well, why don't you just start with something basic? What, if, what about just every day meditating on the Word of God? Yeah. What about sermons? You know, you come and you listen for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. That's not going to feed you for the week. It's not going to fix it. What's going to do so much more this year to help you spiritually, to, for you to grow and to be nourished than coming? Should you come? Of course. Should you fellowship? Should you listen? Yes. But you know what's going to grow you more? Is you actually one-on-one sitting down with the Bible and meditating, delighting, and applying the Word of God every day. That's going to do so much more. We don't want to be like, like the kid in the UK spiritually. Because it does affect us over time, one way or the other. We're going to go blind, we're going to get weak, or we're going to be growing and we want to be growing, don't we? We want, to be, we want to be more fruitful. We want to be more nourished. We want to be more alive this year. And it's not going to be all of a sudden. You don't plant a tree and pick apples the next day. It takes time. It takes years. So let's look at this idea of time in these verses. I just want you to notice this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. What does that mean? Planted by streams. It's abiding nourishment. Over time, you're there and over time you're being nourished. That yields fruit in its season. So that's regularly productive. Again, time. Over time, you're yielding fruit in season. And then its leaf does not wither. So you're always alive. You're always living. So all these descriptions of the Christian are over time. Over time, these this is, this is a pattern for years of abiding nourishment, of regular, regularly being productive, and of always living. But the wicked, verse 4, are not so. They're like chaff. Chaff doesn't receive nourishment. Chaff is never productive. And chaff is dead. It's not alive. And we're going to be one or the other. And it all comes back to what? This verse 2. A, a big deal. This psalm is saying... It's a big deal where your delight, where your thoughts are day and night. Well, like I said, this is nothing new. Verse 5 and 6, I'm not going to go into detail, but it's just talking about the end, the result. Not a description of where we are now, but where we're going to be. It's going to either lead to destruction or we're going to be with the congregation of the righteous we're going to be with God verse 6 super encouraging for the Lord knows the way of the righteous 
Does anybody have the NIV? Does anybody use the NIV? You want to read it? Or say, watches over? Is that what verse uh, 6 says? Or is it not 6? Yeah, verse 6. Watches over the way of the righteous. Watches over the way. It's the, I, deeper than knowing. It's just not... It's not just knowing, but it's an active watching. He's, he knows you because He's looking and He knows where you are. He's watching over you to protect you. Praise the Lord for that. So what about us? Let's apply this to, to our lives right now. This Psalm chapter 1. This next year, 2020, this little thing, this one thing could impact your, your walk with God, your spiritual health more than anything else. It could. So how do we apply it? Well, even if you are, even if you can say, you know what, I do regularly meditate, I do delight in the Word of God, I do take it with me throughout the day, we can all pray, God, make it deeper. I want a deeper delight in you this year. I want to hire, I, I, I want to think more deeply, more critically, this year when I read the Bible. I don't want there to be days where I just read and I forget, Lord, would you help me? And wider, Lord, I want it to affect more of my life this year. We can all pray that, no matter where we're at. Whether, wherever you're at on your daily reading, meditating, delighting in the Word of God, we can all ask for more, can't we? That's one way we can apply it. What if you're not? What if you were honest and you said, my want to and my ought to don't match. I know I ought to to read the Bible. I know I should delight in it. I know I should meditate, but I don't want to. To be really honest, the reason I don't read the Bible, the reason I don't meditate on it, is I don't want to. And that's just what it comes down to. I get up in the morning and what I want to do is is get to work. And what I want to do is read something that's a little bit easier or, or whatever it is. But there's something else that I want to do, even though I know I ought to do this. What do we do? What if that's you? Your want to and your ought to don't match. Well, one, the first option, which isn't good, which isn't, this is not the best option, but you could just ignore it. Well, I want to, I should, I should want to read the Bible, I should delight in it, but I don't. So I'm just going to keep moving on, not, not really worry about it. That's obviously not a good option. What about your want to and your ought to don't match? What's another option? Well, you could make yourself do it without any delight. Well, I'm going to make myself read the Bible. I don't delight in it. I don't love it. I don't value it. I'm just going to make myself do it. Just like I make myself brush my teeth and I make myself eat vegetables. I don't like it, but I'll do it. That's not a good option either. That's not a good option either. What else? What if when your want to and your ought to don't match, you confess it? You say, God, I, I, don't, ha- I don't have a desire for your word. And that's, I know it's wrong. And you ask him for help. Lord, forgive me. I've got my values out of order. Please help me. Change my heart. That's a much better option. Much better than ignoring it. Much better than making yourself do it. Ask God to change your heart. And then the very best option. You ready? Same thing. Confess it. Tell God, God, I I don't have the want to like I ought to. Please help me. 
changed my heart. And then if there's any seed of desire, any, even just a small desire, then you act on it and ask God, for, ask God to grow that seed and, and to help it. As I read God, I do have a little want to. It's not where it should be. Please change it. But I do have some want to. And as I read, would you grow it? Would you make it greater and greater today and tomorrow? That's the grace of God. Believe the, that God, by His grace, wants to help you and change you. The problem with making yourself do it with no delight and no confession and no asking to God for help and no looking to Him, believing He's going to help you, is that you don't believe the gospel. If you just make yourself do it, even though you don't want to, you're not living out the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel isn't make yourself do the right thing. The gospel is God came to die for, for your sins so that you could come to him with the problems and what? He'll forgive you and cleanse you and help you and change you, right? God doesn't want you to make yourself do it and not delight at all. He wants to help you. He wants you to confess it to him. And then he wants to come into your life and change you and pour grace upon your life. He wants to be there with you. We need to look to Christ in everything. Think about this verse in 2 Peter. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Who? Christ. You come to God and you have the Bible open and you know in your heart, I really don't feel like reading Where's, your, where's the source of change going to be? Your willpower this year? Your new, your new New Year's resolution? I'm going to read the Bible every day. No, that's not where the source of power comes. It comes through Christ, through His death, through His forgiveness, through His grace poured out today on you. God says he'll, He's able to make all grace overflow to you. At all times, having all sufficiency, you're, you're ready to overflow in all good work. God wants to help you this year with this. By grace. Not because you've earned it. Not because you made yourself do it. But because of His grace and His goodness. So just to review, we want to be more like Jesus this year in 2020. What's one very basic thing that we don't want to forget? We want to forget to be nourished, be fed, be drawing life from God through His Word every day. We want it to be more than just reading. We want to meditate. We want to delight. It's, a, it's something of the heart. And, it, and come in faith knowing this is one of the ways that God grows His people. He feeds His people. And he's watching over me this year. I mean, think, what about, what if we just trusted that, that last verse, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He's going to help you. He's going to be with you. He's going to be actively taking stock of what's going on in your heart and in your life and there to help you. Praise the Lord. That's, that's good news. Last comment I'm going to say is, 
if you are one of the people that is overly critical of yourself. Maybe you f- feel guilty about how you're falling short in all the all different areas. Maybe not just Bible reading, maybe other areas. The same applies to you. It's it's not up to you to fix it, right? That's not the gospel. The gospel is yes, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And do we fall short? Absolutely. And then where do we go? We don't try and change ourselves. We don't try and fix ourselves. We go to Christ and he comes. He fixes us. He helps us. He's our source of life. And so the last thing I would want is somebody to come away more guilt and less dependence on who Christ is and what he offers. So let's just pray and uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for your word. It, it's, it's hard. It is hard to read and wrestle over. And there's so many things we don't understand, but we're so thankful, Lord, that's the way it is. We're thankful it's so deep and that every day for the next 10,000 days, we're, we're going to have something new and something fresh to help us and nourish us from who you are and what you've said. And would you help us? Lord, I do pray if there's anybody who's, who isn't living out the gospel, who's trying to fix themselves or they take their guilt and try and make themselves pleasing to you just by their actions or something. Please, Lord, don't, don't let this year, 2020, be more of that. I pray that it would be more a year of looking to you, of finding nourishment in you, trusting you. I pray for all of us, Lord, that this year would be the beginning of many, many years where we add a little bit of Christ-likeness that over time makes a big difference. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Thank you so much for forgiveness all the days that we fall short. And we do ask for your help. Would you help us this year? More delight, more application, more love to others, more thinking about your word, would you help us? We can't do it on our own. We need you to come and help us. You're a good God. We just commit this year to you, 2020, and we just trust, Lord, you're watching over our way, and you're there, and you know the way we take, and you're going to be with us. Amen.